environment. go we're go welcome back everybody to the air environment she's the resident scientist no wait that was a different thing (laughs) she's the environmentalist i'm the pastor and we shall talk about all things science 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 and then stuff that is is and probably is not science (laughs) as is our custom no. As is the custom. As is as is the custom. You do you. That's it. That's what it is. You just do you. As is the slogan of the air environment. That's right. Today's slogan is you. Today's do. slogan is brought to you by <laughs> mumbling words in between starting segments. Perfect. Um. So I, well, before we started, I asked you how you were doing, and you said bored, which I feel like everybody's kind of feeling so, so bored. So bored. Uh, I played my... Animal Crossing for so long, Aaron. I know. <laughs> Shot. Which the... is surprisingly long. <laughs> the um, Mario Maker just got their last like big update, so Shot's been trying to play that, and I'm like, no, I'm playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Oh, he keeps sending me new levels to try out. Uh, that's because he keeps having me try them, and I'm not really good at it, so I'm very—it's too difficult for me to do. So he needs somebody else to look at them. Very so well. Well, yeah. I'm behind on that. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so yeah, you like you saying you're bored. All of my intro- extroverted friends have come out of the woodwork. They're like desperate for human contact. So they have just been texting me a lot, being like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm living the hermit's life, guys." So, <laughs> oh, it's kind of a thing. But one of my friends um, is a historian, and we were talking about just like transitional phases, and that's kind of what it's feeling like right now. And she said it refers to like like there's a historical and like psychological term that they use called a liminal state. It's L-I-M-I-N-A-L. And uh, liminality is like when you're standing at the threshold between um, like a previous like a previous part of life and then another part of life. So a lot of like anthropologists use this term in like the middle stage of like a rite of passage. Uh, so but we're kind of like in the middle of a stage of our normal way of life and a possible new one that's looming on the horizon. So it's like the regular order of things has been suspended for us mostly. Yeah. 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 So there's like different levels of this where it's a moment, a period or like an epoch. And right now we're living in like a moment of liminality where it's just we're like on the precipice of something different and we're all just like stressed about it. And we're kind of just like waiting for it to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, been in so many meetings trying to decide what we're doing and if we can go back. Yeah. And I just don't want to think anymore, Aaron. <laughs> That's pretty much like I work in conservation, so like every conversation we have is like what what are we going to do to get through this and then how are we going to change in the future? So a lot of us like we go to conferences and stuff, but now we have additional talks of being like, well, this is kind of pushing us into a better way of living where we don't travel as much, which is good. But also, like, I like seeing my conservation friends, so it's kind yeah. of a give and take. It's better for the environment, perhaps, but it's it's not necessarily probably better for the sociality of human existence. Yeah, humans are, like, by nature very, like, social beings. God by nature is a social being, you know? He's three and one, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, if he's designed as community himself... Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard to get through it. But, I mean, just, like, knowing that this is a thing that happens, like, whole societies facing a sudden event and social distinctions and normal hierarchies are, like, disappearing and we don't know what to do about it. And, like, that's, like, happened before so many times in history and we've made it through. Like, like that's how the Renaissance started and we consider that, like, a great time of, like, learning and art and science and all sorts of really cool things happening. So it's nice to think about like maybe like from all this stress and strain, like good things will come from it. Cool. No, a little positivity for you. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I haven't seen positivity in so long. <laughs> Where is it? I found it. I've got it here for you. For you. Gifts. But that's that's just how I wanted to start it because let's face it, it is the elephant in the room, is it not? So let's move straight on to what I want to talk about today, and that is the creation versus uh creationism versus like evolution ish argument that uh in my research I found is typically an American issue. So Europeans and other parts of the world don't necessarily see this as a conflict, but starting with the rise of evangelical Christianity, no fundamentalist Christianity at the beginning of the 20th century, it started to become a huge uh, like point um, in the U.S. I'm trying to decide if you've lived in Scotland too long to be able to talk about Americans I grew up there. <laughs> yeah, but I can't decide if you're allowed to talk about us anymore. Uh, well, that would be really sad because I'm not allowed to talk about Scottish people. So I would just be like in a weird limbo. You're in a liminal space. Oh, hilarious. Oh, that's Jamin's the word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Jamin's new word, bam. Sorry, continue. Oh, sorry. No, that was just like. Uh, it's just something that when I was studying in undergrad and even a little bit here, but not nearly as much, I run into people who have issues with the like age of the earth mm. and talking about evolution as a whole. Um, so that was 
like a big uh, thing that I ran into. I went to a vacation Bible school once and the whole theme of VBS that week was (laughs) anti-science. It was really weird. It was. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Like there was a whole song about like how Darwin was wrong. Like because the kids sing songs at the beginning. And then. Where did this happen? This happened in America, I mean. In Michigan. I was like. I just finished my first semester at Spring Arbor. And I went home to help with the VBS for summer. Or my first year at Spring Arbor, and I went home to help with the VBS, and I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> like it was really weird. All of the lessons were very like anti, like, like scientific fact and stuff. It was really strange. I stayed one day, and then I told the person I was helping that I just couldn't come back. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, understand. <laughs> Uh, have you run into, what are your experiences with this particular subject? Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up with the whole, yeah. you can't believe in evolution, more or less, and be a Christian at the same time. The, and I understand, like, the predicament when you've been packaged the Bible in a certain way, in a certain mental frame. Like, right. It takes time to to break through that to see it in another light. So I understand the generations before me had it a specific light. And in their mind, basically, like, it was black and white. Either you take it as it is because you believe in God or uh, or you don't believe that God made the earth because you came up with another uh, narrative, right. you know, whereas, like, this medium in between that I was never told existed where it's like, hey, we can actually believe that the Bible has a certain way of phrasing things unscientifically and that I can still believe God made the earth regardless as to if I take, you know, these days of creation as literal or not. So I didn't discover that until college and I was offended when I heard about it and then and, like, see, that's the thing. We yeah. all got to remember a lot of us were there at that point. So we yeah, have to have no. enough grace to, for the same people who are there and have been there even longer than we were. That Like, it's not easy for them to just flip over. But yeah, yeah. my first day of freshman zoology, um, Dr. Newhouse, his very first lecture was about how different views on how the earth was created. And it was the first time I had ever heard, like, options that weren't black and white like it's either it is or it isn't and there's no like in between and it was kind of like nice to listen to different like ways where people can like marry the two Mm. as opposed to just being like nope that's it it's wrong it's bad yeah mine was a doctrines class where the professor more or less was talking about all my christian scientists friends believe in evolution i was like that's not possible, you know. It's like, <laughs> and that was the first time. That was the first time, you know. I'm like twenty something years old. Anyone right, had so ever weird. said you could have both? It's and like then you from that day twenty on. years, and then someone's like, all, "All the things you thought were wrong," and you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. So that that shifted everything from that day. So, oh, man. but I've had friends who have faced that same moment. And, like, just get super angry and go and tell the world, I can't believe what my professor just said, you know, like, oh, they're right. not real Christian, so on and so forth. So, so I understand 
the narratives that we grow up with get ingrained pretty hard. Uh, but yeah. you know, part of the point of us, when you get to college, part of the point of the professor's job is to look at rationality of everything and try to, and by the way, this is a professor who believes very deeply in the power of the Holy spirit and taught me all of the charismatic supernatural stuff that I believe in. So like, that's the mad <laughs> irony for me is the same person telling me like science is the same person saying Holy spirit. So, uh, that's usually what I aim for the happy middle. <laughs> the answer is usually like from what you hear, it's usually a conglomeration of all the parts and not necessarily one or the other. So yeah, that's usually how you find the truth. So yeah. Um, like it's, just as an overview, like, because we're talking about the creation evolution argument, like, it's something that's ongoing and that's something that uh, speaks to us. And even though I said it's viewed as mainly an American issue, it ha- it is starting to slowly creep to other countries these days. So it's something that we should be talking about globally, even though it's seen as a regional problem. Um, globalization makes all issues global so something that we have to talk about um so i wanted to start off before we dove into ideas of how the earth was created like what does the science say so the age of the earth this is most of the issues with um young earth creationists which we're going to talk about today are the age of the earth and not necessarily the evolution of it um the science, if you know evolution, like the science says that we all um, evolved from one like uh, amoeba or basically, and then we branched off from there. It's so a lot of genetics are involved. Um, a lot of people dumb that down and say, oh, we are like descended from monkeys. And I'm like, well, we're primates. We have five fingers and like, like stuff and that's not like it's oversimplification we have a common ancestor but that's not necessarily like a gorilla so that's as far as evolution is concerned that's what that is but the age of the earth itself um is estimated to be 4.5 billion years old uh as far as the actual formation of the earth um that's like that's how much that's when they think the core was formed was 4.5 billion years old but i actually couldn't find anything that like said how it was formed um but that's okay (laughs) like that's what the science says and the age of the universe is 13.8 billion years old so evolutionary theory remains the only explanation that fully accounts for all observation, measurements, data, and evidence discovered in the fields of biology, ecology, anatomy, physiology, zoology, paleontology, molecular biology, cellular biology, genetics, anthropology, biological chemistry, etc. Basically, like all, all of these theories are the only thing that account for everything you find in science. So... That's just something to note <laughs> as we continue talking. Like the scientific age of the Earth is four and a half billion, the universe is thirteen billion, and like the science accounts for every single aspect of like the branch in which natural sciences occur. So yeah. 
Well, I know one of the pushbacks you get from some people would be like, you can't possibly know that far back and how old things are. Uh, but this is the whole point of scientific study and research is to right. do its best job to get an estimate. Uh, anyone who is kind of like deeply questioning that one of the, well, you may not find the show super um it's super easy to watch if you're questioning that but the latest cosmos with uh neil degrasse okay. tyson oh yeah just like he's talking about the age of the universe and just how vast it is and whatnot like if you just watch a few episodes of that if you're unused to like how scientists do like big numbers and equations like that like just watching that is helpful because yeah Ty- tyson will show you like hey Look at this planet way out here. This is made of these different kinds of elements. And you're like, how can you know that? And then they'll pull out the spectroscope and explain how that works and how they're viewing these things. So right. um, for anyone who's just like, there's just no way. Like, well, scientists do their best to have evidence to to prove prove their theories. So uh, that, that at least was a helpful thing for me to watch. See how someone could say something millions of miles away, what it's made of. So. Yeah, that actually, that sounds really interesting. And uh, a lot of the problems with science is that, like I've said before, it's so, like, steeped in jargon. And it's hard to, like, breach that threshold with a regular person who isn't so used to being steeped in jargon. So that sounds like that show is trying, attempting to make it attainable for a regular person. Like this sounds complicated, but actually it's really attainable. If you just understand the basics of what's going on. Yeah. the show does a really good job at that, including an episode on evolution. So there's that that's helpful too. Yeah. And like, I want to watch it. (laughs) Sounds good. You can borrow it. I have it. Awesome. I'll uh, mail you a copy on animal crossing. (laughs) Oh, man. So this brings me to um, creationism as a whole. So there are uh, two kind of main categories of types. Uh, Actually, there's three-ish. So like young earth, old earth, intelligent design. And then from there, there's different ways to look at it as the narrative itself, like how you look at the text in the book of Genesis. Like it's a creation narrative, a framework narrative as an allegory, uh, things like that. So I want to, this will probably be a many parted series because it's a lot of information to cover, but we're going to start with is probably the most um, controversial viewpoint, I believe, which would be young earth creationism. And that is basically a literal interpretation of the book of Genesis. And they think the earth was formed between six and 10,000 years ago. Uh, so it, it assumes that the days of creation are six 24-hour days of creation. And a Gallup poll from, I think, 2017 found that 38% of adults in the U.S. held the view that God created humans in the present form at one time within the last 10,000 years. Which doesn't necessarily say that they think the Earth is that old. They just think that humans are 10,000 years old. That's young Earth. That's young earth creationism, yes. Um, Some notable young earth creationists that are before the real movement that I'll get to are John Calvin and Martin Luther. 
So that's just something to note that even some people that we greatly admire also don't know how, didn't know how old the earth was. But at the same time, the science at that point, especially yeah. for Martin Luther and John Calvin was not nearly say, advanced. What is <laughs> Calvin was 1600s? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. When was Darwin? Uh, 1800s, I think. Darwin. Uh, 1800s. Yeah. And Calvin was just yeah 1809. Just so he was born in 1809. 1500s for Calvin. So yeah, I mean you would expect as much. Yeah, that's quite that's quite a large gap. Absolutely. Uh, that's just yeah, it's quite a large gap between that. It's just important to note that sometimes people will give you this information and you'll be like, oh okay. So if they believe it, it must be true. But you have to remember, like, science has definitely advanced since uh, the beginning of, like, human beings yeah. trying to think about stuff. Like, we used to think that the Earth revolved around the sun, and so... Yeah, I mean, that wasn't until... <laughs> Who was it? Wasn't that the guy in uh, House Arrest or something? Yeah, I think it was Plato. Was it Plato? Who discovered... Or Socrates. One of the two is Greeks. <laughs> discovered. It was Nicholas Copernicus, I think. Oh, well, I can't he always put, be right. <laughs> he had the theory anyways. I don't know if he was the one to... Did he end up in house arrest? None of this matters. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. No, you're fine. That's totally fine. Um, So this, the YEC, or Young Earth Creationism, uh, basically became an actual force uh, with the rise of fundamental Christianity at the beginning of the 20th century. And at that same time, it occurred... Yeah, so that was in 1900. And with that, the rejection of evolution. So they thought an ancient Earth through the belief or a gap in the another day-age Genesis, they didn't like this. Um they think they're just very much like the earth can't be that old evolution can't be a thing this makes us feel like it's not working so in the 1960s creation science was given rise and creation science was an effort to prove biblical inerrancy and basically disprove evolution through like scientific support the main thing you have to realize about scientific uh, creation science is that there is a large lack of empirical support and cannot be uh, fully tested in most of their cases. So, yeah, yeah. And inerrancy itself, that's a whole nother topic I could get into. You know, just like the idea that the Bible has absolutely no problems whatsoever is almost a view that the bible doesn't hold for itself uh or at least in the way like for the bible to be oh okay hang on let me clarify really quick okay <laughs> the bible is god's word it is divinely inspired uh every, everything that we're you know teaching should have its grounding in it and what it means to to say you know um but like infallible is a better word for for how it's intended these authors didn't have their eyes roll up in the back of their head and then start writing down you know 
the words as angels dictated it to him. Other religions teach that their holy word came from that. And other um, occult, the occultic technique of automatic writing. Like that's, that's essentially what we treat the Bible as, as though people just like eyes rolled up and they started writing. Instead, these are real human people, you know, right. same way that God has always worked with his Holy Spirit, inspiring and breathing his word through people. It's the same with this. A lot of these are letters written to to people. You're reading someone's mail when you open up the Bible. You know, so like it's it's divinely inspired. It's God's word. It's infallible. It everything that it means to communicate is perfect. You know, right. but like the idea that it is inhuman entirely is not Christian really so like you know if you're viewing it in Aaron in the sense that like you look at the six-day creationism and you're like well this is exactly um it's so inerrant to the point that it is this is literally what it meant right that actually mistakes the word what literally even means you know like literary literally is like what is the literal context of what is trying to communicate Right. And if it doesn't necessarily, the authors didn't necessarily need to feel like they had to imply that it was six days, but literally within its literal context, they meant God is the only creator. This is the way he ordered the world. Well, then you need to take it for what it literally means, not um, necessarily word by word account. But yeah, yeah, I think. Again, even the creation story, if you look at other creation stories in other religions, right. they're writing within their own context. It's, yeah. it's they're like, we need to communicate what God needs to communicate. People will understand it if we write it this way. So let's let God inspire us as we retell the story. So anyways, I, I am not belittling the Bible if you read any of my <laughs> If you read any of my books, like every sentence nearly has like parentheses, check this verse, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, by all means, I hold it to the highest standard. But Good arguments are backed in text. Absolutely. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. But inerrancy for me is such a confusing uh, slope that right. I don't think the Bible even means to communicate to the level in which people take it. So like if evolution's coming out of another semi-flawed idea then it's it's bound to create more difficult ideas i guess oh yeah like i completely agree with that and that is like part of this um problem with young earth uh, problem quote unquote with young earth creationism is that exact point is that they regard the bible as completely accurate historically accurate factually inerrant record of natural history um, they basically, Christians who, this is uh, Henry Morris, a leading young earth creationist, explained Christians who flirt with less than literal readings of texts are also flirting with theological disaster. Christians must either believe God's word all the way or not at all. So that really just like puts it, what we were talking about earlier, where there was never, we were never allowed to consider an in-between. It was either you believed this is 100% historically accurate. Or you believed in science and you're an atheist and there's no possible way that you could believe that 
in a divine creator at the same time. Yeah, and I ran into that yesterday when someone came by and was surprised that we were doing church online, which surprised mm-hmm. me that apparently his church was not. Oh, okay. <laughs> apparently, yeah. Uh, and like just Bible verse after Bible verse trying to convict me that we should be back in our building. And like me on the other end, just feeling like, man, I'm about to contextualize every verse that you're saying and try to like bring other verses in the picture to help you pay attention to what you're saying. But like you're taking things so literally to the extent that like, it's it could actually, actually harm people. Yeah, It could actually harm people. And like, you know, this is almost like the inerrant kind of mind. Like it was, Jamin, you can't kill anyone. Like God has chosen the time in which everyone will die. So if they get sick from Corona because you had it, like that was really God. Like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> like, it's, I don't think you understand. Like, and he quoted Bible verses for those kind of ideas. You know, I'm like, right. this is, this is where you run these problems where you, you just, if I can say a Bible verse out loud and the Bible is inerrant, therefore I've <laughs> my point. It's like, those verses are correct. They are divinely inspired, but you got 66 books in here to go off of that are right. telling a wider narrative than you just being able to snack, snag any, any last verse out to. Oh, definitely. Theology that definitely kills. live in a sign by soundbite culture for sure. Yeah. Like, what can I? What was the smallest possible thing that I can eat off of this? Uh, no. Oh yeah. But yeah, like that's exactly like what you're talking about. There was like he was like either this or nothing, and you're just like no, like there's more, <laughs> there's more going on here, and that's that's part of the issue with this particular belief and um. There are different approaches. So how do you how do you deal with the geological evidence of being a young Earth creationist? Because you say we have six to ten thousand years old. There's all the science is telling you otherwise. There are basically two main camps that you'll believe. One, the first one that's actually the bigger one, where believers um, they believe in flood geology, which is basically an attempt to reconcile like geological science with literal belief as the described in genesis 6 i want to say i think six or ten awesome i was like yeah go me um (laughs) (laughs) so in the early 19th century geologists hypothesized that specific surface features were evidence of a worldwide flood that had followed earlier geological areas uh further investigation that they believe that this resulted from local floods or glaciers so young earth creationists revived this theory as an overarching concept uh, to oppose evolution. So they incorporate it in different ways. So basically they're just saying, oh, well, all of this stuff happened. So it messed up the geology of being able to measure things. Uh, so they're attaching a great importance to Noah's flood and explaining fossil record and geological strata. And just to check, because I remember mm-hmm. learning in secular school, right? glaciers and all this stuff affecting everything. 
mm-hmm. you're saying they're they're taking that data and kind of bringing f- the flood into it or that the flood has possibilities to it which way uh so they are saying that the flood itself has made it more difficult for us to have a better understanding okay of it So creationist blood, blood, creationist blood. Creationist blood. It's my next band name. Yeah, it's basically like, oh, well, the flood happened and it washed away all of these rocks. So we actually aren't sure what happened because the earth was covered in water. And that has changed chemicals and there's... doesn't account for geological striata and the physical and chemical conditions under which rocks are formed was actually changed. Like it's very pseudoscience-y. Yeah. Um, yeah. It refers to like scientific evidence, but often framed with pseudoscientific misconceptions. For anyone who does want to go deeper in the was the flood universal or sorry, worldwide, global or local, things like that. John Walton has a book on uh, the flood. That would be well worth your time to check out. Uh, And I mean, in my opinion, I would say it was more local. It definitely seems to be a large, Mm -hmm. very noticeable uh, phenomenon, uh, but some of the ways in which they write about the flood seem to be using like localized. Uh, well, it seems to be using over, not exaggeration, hy- hyperbole to try to make its point. And the point's mm-hmm. even theological too. The world's almost kind of being baptized in a certain way, starting over. Uh, it was just water before God showed up and his spirit's hovering over the face of the deep, right? So it's returning to just the deep and starting round two uh plus the nephilim the giants who were around before the flood are still around after the flood so either they built their own boat and survived a global flood or they were able to i don't know breathe underwater or something uh (laughs) more more likely i would imagine they got out of the area that was hit maybe i don't know you know you just the Bible paints a picture in which it would make sense for it to have been local, uh, but uh, even even if they looked around for miles and all they saw was water, right? Yeah. They didn't know the earth was around, and they wouldn't be aware that there's plenty more that they're not seeing at that time uh, that that wasn't flooded yet. So did it have to be global? I would say no. Yeah, and some of this um, flood, like, geology is, like, oh, how did it flood in that spot? And they have this thing, like, a big, like, canopy of, like, water, like, came down or, um, like, the rapid, there was just, like, extreme rainfall or rapid movement of tectonic plates causing underground aquifers or tsunamis, like, basically trying to, like, change, like, how the planet was um formed so that actual book sounds really interesting so everyone should read it if you're interested in more of that particular thing 
Yeah. If you don't want to think that I'm a heretic for suggesting it was more localized, go read that book because it's <laughs> it's from a theologian looking at what the Bible's saying and trying to make sense of what they're communicating again. Right. So that's the that's the first main one. Uh, a less visible form of YEC, uh, perhaps not so much anymore, thanks to the um, like mainstream use of the internet, is essentially that there was no development of the universe, Earth, or life, soever whatsoever since creation. So creation's been at a steady rate since the beginning, without any major changes. So all animals we have now are the animals we've always had, and they don't believe fossils are real and they believe major extinctions never occurred. So dinosaurs, trilobites, um, like literally anything that's extinct in or found in the fossil record is a hoax. Uh, they have issues with carbon dating of fossils. You may have heard, I've heard this argument several times of uh, scientists, cr uh, creation science scientists buried chicken bones in the ground for 20 years then dug them up and then carbon dated them. And then the carbon dating said that the bones were on, were like hundreds of thousands of years old and they're only 20 years old. And that's actually like carbon dating isn't made to date things that are less than a certain age. So like it's this whole <laughs> definitely uh, I've heard and I, I know what I read online that said, Oh, it's smaller and makes the internet, but uh it has reached the mainstream a little bit because these are things that I have heard from actual human beings who I don't think use the internet that much. So they usually say scientific record is like a hoax or promoted by the devil or something that's very untrue. So. Yeah. I, I don't have a response to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is... I'm just thinking of Flanders in my mind. <laughs> Dinosaur bones are there to test our faith. <laughs> yeah. So that is that is the def uh that's the weird one. I read a book for um Jeans B.C. Asin when I was at Spring Arbor because we were encouraged to read Young Earth Creationist book and like really consider their arguments and look at it and the book I read I won't name because nobody needs to go out and read it. Um, but someone was asking how it was just basically a book of like scientific questions. And this person went through and answered them. And one of them was like, well, how did the dinosaurs fit on the ark? And he said, oh, it's because the dinosaurs were tiny. Like he had the they actually weren't as big as you think they were. He's just little tiny dinosaurs. And I was just like, what? Why wouldn't you just in your theory, let the dinosaurs have died in the flood like wouldn't that match better you would think but this book was <laughs> it was truly wild from start to finish i remember that specifically and the whole like spiel of the book was like from there was like one question where it promised it would answer it was the very last question of the book and it was like did adam have a belly button and then it was like no he was made not born so there was no umbilical cord and i was just and that was it it was like two lines and i was like i read this whole book just for that <laughs> So, would not recommend. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Well, it, just, yeah. I'm just, like, the rate at which we love to bite into conspiracy theories right now, you know, yeah. it, it makes me sad. And I think Relevant Magazine even put out an article, like, 
I didn't read it, but I think the headline was something like Christians are more prone to conspiracy theories than others. And like, you look at this kind of stuff that we, we teach ourselves as, <laughs> you know, chances of how, what our Bible says in history and all that. And it's like, we're fed conspiracy theories in a certain way that mm-hmm. makes us think that everything else is a lie, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really easy to just, like, sink your your um, teeth into it and think, oh, this is fine. Because I just looked up that book and, because <laughs> I was like, I remember the name of it. Uh, and it starts off, like, it's just things like that will ease you in, like, asking you questions like, oh, are they contradictory? Are, what is the fall? And then it starts to get into the actual science where it's like, the thing about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> did notice flood cause an ice age uh like when paul preached to the greeks did they understand like science and then you're just like what so yeah it's um it's a whole thing but uh i i don't i don't know i just don't have any words for this and i i'm doing trying to be really good about giving it justice but to be completely frank with you jamin i don't think we should uh, <laughs> there are just some things that you shouldn't give justice to, and this is one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, yep. just trying to be like, no science, this is wrong. Like I said about um, creation science, uh, the main scientific criticism from the Natural Academy of Sciences says the claims of creation science lack empirical support and cannot be meaningfully tested and that is not in fact science and should not be presented as such in science classes so it's not a thing and there's no evidence backing it it's not falsifiable like there's experiments are not like scientifically you can't recreate them like they're just yeah (laughs) so (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't have much more to say than that, because uh, then it will borderline be mocking, and I don't want to have a mocking tone with this subject, because it is quite a serious thing. Because an attack on scientific evidence is an attack on truth, and that is something that we shouldn't be attacking. So. Yeah, I mean, if you do believe that God made everything, then you have to believe that God made science. Yeah. And if science can be factually proved, you shouldn't be afraid of what it has to say because it's God who created it right there, you know? Yeah. So, and, like, there are ways in which just because things are scientifically true does not always mean that it's a... Uh, lesson from God. I I know that sounds kind of weird, but yeah, no, I get it. Like I just I think of um, like in the beginning of Genesis, after the fall, right. suddenly the earth is harder to take care of. Now the Bible writers are saying like it wasn't necessarily God's design that gardening would be this hard and that women would have such intense labor pains, but scientifically. We know that gardening is hard because of all that goes into it. And we know scientifically that women's labor pains are incredibly difficult. So did God 
still create it all? Yes, but right. are those things supposed to be representative of the way God wishes it was? No. So the Bible understands, like, just because it's scientifically accurate does not always mean, like, it's it's trying to depict that this is the way that God wants it to be or, or something like that. That right. was kind of a weird analogy, but... No, I get it, because it's like... Sometimes when people try to bring this up to me, I stop them and I say, are you here? Yes. Did you believe it? Do you believe God put you here? Yes. Then why does it matter how you got here? No. Yeah. Like, like I'm interested in how it happened very much so. But at the end of the day, I'm here. God did it. Why does it matter? Yeah. And I think... I, I don't know. I just sometimes I like to imagine like I'm before God, you know, and if if I come to him and say, I still taught that you created everything. I just the science seemed to point that you did it this way. Like, is he going to be like, how dare you have not right. said literal creation? Whereas and, and I don't mean this to sound brash. Right. But someone else comes to the throne and they're like, I did everything I could to teach that science is wrong and god's what if god's like uh, they didn't listen to your evangelistic messages because of that you know like you right. you lost out on a chance to reach people because you looked you looked like you were denying factual evidence on all these other things like i, I feel like i feel like yeah. there is something to these two different scenarios where one has a lot of disadvantages and the other doesn't think of any (laughs) yeah i think it's one of those things where uh that phrase be god said to be in this world and not of it is frequently misinterpreted and misquoted um you can still be to in order to reach someone you have to be part of the world you can't close yourself off and say this is it and if you don't believe it nuts to you like you have to accept some things about the world are true because they are, but not let that be all consuming. Like, like you can't, you shouldn't believe in science and then say God doesn't exist. That's you being of the world, but you need to be in it. Like science is a thing, but God can make it like that's, that's, I feel like that, that part of it is often like misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. You're a citizen of heaven. You live there right now, but Mm -hmm. You also live on this planet at the same time. Right. And that's where you're going to continue to live until you die. So. Awesome. It's a. It's a thing. Well, thank you for listening to part one of our 400 part series. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Fine by me. Let's do it. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, this actually is a very extensive subject from, like, my research that I've been reading about. So there's a lot. There's a lot to be said. So I'm going to try to try to keep, like, about two viewpoints per, like, episode. Let's see how how we go. But um, that's episode one of this podcast, of this part portion, but part. But it is, like, episode six of the podcast, I believe. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> please please keep listening <laughs> so
Fair enough. Well, mm. with that being said, Jamin's usual disclaimer is I believe the Bible is perfect and written the way just as it should be. Uh, I was never meaning to demean it or lower it. I simply believe it's infallible versus inerrant. inerrant. I offer so. no opinions <laughs> or facts on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, for a lot of people, those sound like the same words, but it's completely trustworthy, uh, and it it does everything that it's meant to do, but you have to to read it right, and inerrantists sometimes, I think, miss that part, because they're too caught up on it in a certain way. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my spiel. It's a good spiel. I like it. Thanks. Well, I believe that's the end of what? I said 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Okay. It's the end of part one of 400. We'll be back next week with part two. And uh, we'll see you basically till we die on this series. Woo! 400 weeks. That's, That's four years. Four years. No, 52 weeks a year. That's like eight years. Ah, see, Mm -hmm. you have someone on your science podcast who can't do math. (laughs) This was a mistake. (laughs) All right, we'll catch you all next time. All right, bye. Five weeks, I, I don't math.